You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Time Out. I've sat at many a basketball game, played in some basketball games, dreaming of a timeout when you're running up and down the court. I've sat at some games where I wish the coach would call a timeout because, in my opinion, it was getting out of hand. The kids were tired. Somebody needed to stop. Every once in a while, you need a timeout because you just keep going and going and going, and you forget maybe even why you're going. You're just doing the deal. You can get married, and before you know it, you're just going through the motions. You don't even know each other. There's not much conversation, not much intimacy, maybe. You're just mowing along, not even thinking about what you're doing and you kind of call a timeout in a relationship. Sometimes it's a relationship, could be family members, could be a roommate, could be whatever, and things get heated, and even adults need a timeout. At work, at home, roommates, I've had some roommates, you know, I didn't need timeout, I just wish they were out back in the day. Thank God my roommate now is a good one. You may need a timeout. Maybe you're in trouble. And every once in a while, God actually puts you in timeout. Says, you take some time, you're out for the moment. It doesn't mean the game is over. And too many people end up in timeout in trouble, let's say, and they get in trouble and forget that God is disciplining them or setting them apart for a little bit to say, hey, what are we doing? And then they just kind of walk away. I've watched for this. I actually did some research to find this. It's very hard to find a sports team who calls a timeout and then walks out of the gym or off the field. Now, I've heard at halftime, they've tried to sneak in their buses and get away because it was so, you know, destructive. But nobody calls a timeout to quit. You call a timeout to stop, to reassess, catch your breath, figure out a new strategy, and get back in the game. Turn to Psalm 39. And there's plenty of places this is described, but I'm going to read you a few out of the Psalms, and we'll kind of move left to right as we normally do. All right, going here to Psalm 39. Verse one here, I said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good. I was so quiet I didn't say the good stuff. And my sorrow was stirred up. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. And this is all he gets out. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. Help me get some perspective on this. The toughest thing in the world is to sit a bunch of kids down and say, look, you're not going to live forever here. You cannot just do whatever you want to do. You don't have much time down here. You need to think very carefully about how you're spending your time, what you're doing in that time. You say, well, I just took a break and did something fun. Is your fun glorifying God? Or is it just you having some fun? So his request is here, Lord, help me to know my end. What is the measure? What is your end, by the way? I'm going to give you a little hope. My only option is not death in my lifetime. And it looks like it's more possible every day. Jesus could come back and I would not suffer physical death. 
I believe as sure as I'm standing here that Jesus come back and take me out. So you don't have to die physically. But sooner or later, if he doesn't return, you say, wow, this is all negative and, you know, sad and morbid and we're going to die. I hate to tell you, folks, it's a fact. If he doesn't return, you're out of here. She said, but I got plenty of time. I got plenty of stage left. You don't know that. And sometimes terrible things happen to people. You say, well, why would God allow that? Because sometimes the tough stuff is what wakes you up and gets you living instead of just coasting like you've got forever. Lord, make me to know my end. What is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am? Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Now, everybody hold up your hand and put your thumb down, just four fingers, okay? That is a breadth, a handbreadth, okay? So from God's perspective, that's about how much time you got, maxing it out right there. I am one, two on my third finger, and I might have a finger and a half left. So it's fascinating that God would even use something like that to describe our lives because you're constantly seeing your hands. What are you doing with your hands? Look down at your hands, working with your hands. How much time have I got left? If I max it out. You say, well, I got plenty of time left. Even if you live 80, 90 years, it's not much time in the grand scheme of things. You're here and you're gone. It's mind-boggling how little time you have. What are you doing with the life, the time that you have? Keep reading. And my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but vapor. Go outside on a cool day and breathe. (sighs) That's you. (sighs) And some of it is bad vapor. (sighs) you breathe and you see something that appears and then it disappears that's us you say well you're trying to minimize it no it's just all we got it's reality so you wake up and go oh my god literally oh my god i've got a vapor of a life here whatever i'm gonna do i need to make sure it's of you that it's you living in me and through me and not me just wasting time and do something that counts by letting him live in and through you Surely every man that walks about like a shadow, surely they busy themselves in vain. Look at these descriptors. Every man walks about like a shadow, surely they busy themselves in vain. Just busy. What are you doing? I'm busy. Hey, could you come help with this? Oh, no, I'm really busy. Take a time out and ask yourself, what are you so stinking busy at? Well, you know, I hadn't thought about that. You might be just wasting time just doing nothing. Busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. I was mute. I did not open my mouth because it was you who did it. Remove your plague from me. I am consumed by the blow of your hand when with rebukes you correct man for iniquity. You make his beauty melt away like a moth. Surely every man is vapor. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner as all my fathers were. Remove your gaze from me that I may regain strength before I go away and am no more. Now, I get that some of you say, well, dude, you're all riled up about this. Okay, everybody dies, and I'm happy, and I got enough money. I set money aside, and I'm not, whatever you're talking about, I'm not interested in. Then I'm not really talking to you. What I am after are the ones that God is after, and you get that. Because if your plan is to sit on your butt, I probably can't change your plan. 
But if your plan is to get in the game, my senior year in high school showed up at a new high school in Waco, Texas, and tried out for the basketball team and made it. And it was okay, decent player. The coach said, look, you're a senior, you made the team, and this is what he said to me, but you will never play. You can be on the team, but you won't play. Now, he told another guy that tried out was a senior and made it, and he quit when he heard that. I thought to myself, I'm just going to wear this old man's butt clean out. (laughs) I'm on his team. You said I made the team. Whether I play or not, that's your problem. But you're going to be stuck with me this whole season. So I practiced hard. I sat hard. (laughs) And he realized I wasn't going to quit like the other guy. And everybody else realized it. Pretty soon, they're rooting for him to put me in the game. Now, I was ready all the time to get in the game because I don't like somebody telling me I can't play ball. So the devil comes along and says, well, here's the deal. You made the team, but you'll never get in the game because you don't have any game. And the coach isn't going to put you in the game. Let me tell you something. The devil ain't the coach. And I watch kids on benches. They sit in, you know, leaning back, head against the wall, arms crossed. If the coach said you're in the game, it'd take them 45 seconds just to get, you know, sitting up. I want some kid on the bench who's up on the edge of his seat watching what's going on so he's ready to go in the game. Get in the game. Coach calls a timeout, looks down there, says, Ellis, you're in. You know what? I'm ready. You have to be ready all the time. He said, well, he hadn't put me in yet. Practice. Get ready. Do the stuff that matters. He said, I want to go in the game. Yeah, you do. You'll wish you had when you're dead. It'll be too late. Go to Psalm 90. You need to get to the place where inside, I even watch kids on benches. They'll go sit down as close to the coach as they can get, kind of sneak in, get on the other side of him maybe. And it's almost, if they can restrain, it's like, put me in, coach, put me in, coach, put me in, coach. You ought to have that kind of attitude. If you don't feel like you're in the game, put me in, coach. I can do it. I can help. I'd rather have a kid who couldn't play but had that desire than some kid who just sitting there, head up against the wall, checked out. Psalm 90, verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, oh, children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. You say, well, a thousand years ago, and God says, that was yesterday. So think about yesterday. What happened yesterday? For God, that's like talking about a thousand years that have gone by. It's nothing. It's yesterday. So where do you fit in in a thousand year yesterday? I don't even know that I show up. But I do show up because I show up. And I say, okay, God, I'm not here in the past. Be difficult to be here in the future unless you write books or leave something that could go on. But you can be here today. And by the way, it isn't just books and whatever documents. You can be in the future by being in your kids' lives. You pour his life through your life into their lives. You disciple men and women. You deposit something. You all are benefiting from an old man that changed my life and my parents. But that old man infected me and affected me, and there is no way I'm not passing that on. And the same thing is supposed to happen to you, and then you give that to someone else. And then their life, their family, generations can change. That same chapter, keep reading. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep in the morning. They are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows. In the evening it is cut down and withers. It's just here and gone. 
For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set up our iniquities before us, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. By the way, he knows everything you're doing, your secret sins. You think nobody knows about my little deal? They know, he knows. You've got to stop living like nobody knows. One of the ways you know that you believe he knows is you tell someone else because you know someone else already knows. Don't have secret sins. They eat up your life, and one day you'll have to answer to God for the only life he gave you. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So what does that mean? You say, okay, let's go with a number 80. Do the math. How many days have you got left? What are you going to do with those days? If you say, I've only got X number of days left, then that's a finite number. If you have more, great. But decide to do something with what you know you might have left if you make 80, and then have a plan. What do you mean have a plan? To live. Don't just exist. Don't just survive. Don't just wander around like nothing has any consequence. Make decisions. Spend some time with God every day and say, Lord, what is today about? I got another day. I didn't die. You didn't come back. There's a reason. What is this? And then you pay attention. Had a conversation this week with a guy. He's not crazy about his job. He goes to work. I said, dude, it's not about your work. It's about the people at your work. Thank God for your job because it gets you on your mission field. And if you get your mission done there, he might move you to another mission field. And pretty soon, it's not even about the job. It's about the people on the job. And then you look around and say, okay, Lord, thank you so much for my job because now this got me where these people are. It's all about people. Jesus died for people. So pay attention to the people around you. You'd be amazed that they're looking, they're dying, literally, they're searching, they got questions, they cry out to God, they literally cry themselves to sleep. They are lost, they don't know where to go. And they say, God, send me some help, somebody, God, help me, please, I wanna kill myself, I can't do this anymore, send me help. And then you walk into their lives, because you're paying attention, and you go, hey, how are you doing? They go, not so good. What's going on, tell me about it. And then they start telling, because they can't take it anymore. You say, well, those people don't exist. I know they exist because I was those people and you were too. And maybe we've forgotten. We are desperate for him and we have him if we're Christians. I still need him desperately. But if you don't even have him, you cannot even remember how desperate that feels. So you speak. Speak the truth and love and care for people. You say, well, but it's gonna take too much time. You're wasting your time anyway if you're not doing what God wants you to do. So what difference does it make? So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So if you know you've only got so much time left, then all of a sudden you get some wisdom going, wait a minute, I better pay attention. I've only got so much time left. I need to maximize this. Maybe one more, Ephesians chapter five. I probably share this too much, but I still see my mama laying in that hospital bed before she died, a crumpled up mess of osteoporosis and Parkinson's and just a mess. The most beautiful woman, but life, health crushed her. And she used to tell me, even scribble it on a piece of paper, do all you can while you can. And she hit the stinking finish line running, confined to a bed. Because the nurses, she could barely speak. She couldn't even move. And she'd get to scribble something on a piece of paper and was still going at those nurses on the way out. 
you better prepare now because sometimes I saw this, there was a race in Austin and this girl, well, I think was almost winning the race and she collapsed. And I think it was for the last two miles, she crawled for two miles. If you see the video or the pictures, this woman crawled for two miles and the paramedics people try to help her say, don't help me. And she finished the race third crawling a marathon deal. She was so far ahead, but even going down and crawling across the finish line, she still comes in third. Now, I don't know about this yet, so I may be completely out of school here. But when you pray that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, one of the perplexities for me, I say, okay, Lord, what is this old people suffering thing? Why don't you have mercy and take them out, especially the believers? I don't know this, and I don't even know that I want to know this personally, but it may be tied to the fellowship of his sufferings so that when we suffer and then one day we see him, we have a better understanding because he suffered. And there's no way to understand suffering without suffering. So in some ways, I remember praying for a while. I prayed, God, you know, heal my mama. And then I quit praying that. I was like, God, get her out of here. Please have mercy have mercy. And then she eventually died. So what was that about? I have to find an answer or it makes me angry or crazy. But I think it has something to do with the Lord allowing us to experience the fellowship of his sufferings. You say, well, I'm not going to go through that. You don't know that. And you better be preparing now for the last two miles crawling if that's what it takes, because you got to finish and it's better to finish strong. Ephesians chapter 5, I recommend you read the first part of Ephesians chapter 5. He talks about some basic stuff in life, starts out there, Ephesians 5, 1, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. In other words, what is God doing? Be like God. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. And then he goes into some specific things about fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, and says, but rather giving of thanks Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We live in a dark, dark, dark world. It is getting darker all the time, but it is not completely dark because we are the light. And it's weird to me that Jesus, you know, he said, you are the light of the world. He didn't say, I'm the light of the world in you. That's implicit. You are the light of the world. Be light. So when you go to work, you're supposed to be light. It's supposed to be different. Not acting like a Christian, but living the Christian life, letting Christ live in, in and through you so that when they see you, they see light. They go, oh my gosh, that's the life I've been looking for. Some people don't want our Jesus because there's no difference in our life. There is no light. We've put it under a bushel of some kind. They can't even see it. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, and whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And then look at this verse, 
redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And another translation on this redeeming the time is making the most of the time. And it literally translates buying up each opportunity. The word redeeming means buying up. So you get to an opportunity and you go, you know what, God, this is such a crazy opportunity. I'd literally pay to have this opportunity. I've thought sometimes that churches, instead of advertising, should just go out and say, I'll give you 50 bucks to come to church. They go, no, not so much, 100. How much would you have to offer somebody for them to go to church? There's good advertising dollars spent. You say, well, that's crazy. It's funny if it's your family member who would die and end up in a real hell, how big a check would you write to have a shot? Because from God's perspective, he wrote it for everything to get me. Everything cleaned out the account to get me. So you wake up and you go, God, I don't know how much time I got left because I think I got this much. I could die. What is today? Sufficient for today are the evils thereof. And the world says, eat, drink, be merry. Tomorrow we die. Let me tell you something. You could eat, drink, be merry, and today you die. See what you're trying to scare us? Absolutely. Because it's reality. And you're a fool to think you can outsmart God. So you stop, you say, okay, God, time out. You climb in a closet and say, what am I doing? What am I thinking? What's going on? Do I really have enough already? Is there a way for me to shut everything I have down and spend the rest of my life serving God, maximizing my impact? You say, well, I didn't get called into full-time ministry. You know what? Yes, you did. Every Christian is called into full-time ministry. You say, well, how am I gonna make my money? Even if you have a job, full-time. You can't work part-time for Jesus. You can't live part-time as a Christian. I mean, a lot of us trying it. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, making the very most of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? That you be wise, that you not waste your time. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. I had something happen the other day. I got a little dizzy. I was in a restaurant sitting with Rebecca and some people, and I didn't feel well. And I made it out to the car, and I laid the deal back and lay there. And I thought, okay, now what is going on? Like, am I just old, or what is this? And... Then I started having these thoughts, and then I started praying. I said, Lord, I don't know what's going on in my body, but I started making ready. He said, well, that's silly. It's not silly. You need to make ready every day. He said, well, you're thinking about dying. I think about dying because I'm thinking about living. So I sat there, and I said, okay, Lord, if something goes haywire here, I hope it doesn't. But if it does, I'm ready. So is there any unconfessed sin? Are we okay? You know, whatever has to be cleaned up. You need to live in such a way as much as possible that you take one step on this side 
And the next step could be into the presence of Jesus and you never miss a beat. Instead of going, oh my gosh, it's you. Well, I'm not ready for this. Send me back for 20 minutes. Be ready in season and out. Be ready. Because sooner or later, the time is out. It's over. And then it's him forever and ever and ever. Or if you're not a believer, it's hell forever and ever. You say, well, you're not going to reach anybody with that. Oh, yes, I am, because that's the truth. And the sooner somebody tells you the truth, the sooner you can deal with the truth and decide where you want to spend eternity. People say, well, I don't believe a loving God would send anybody to hell. I'm with you. What do you want? Wrote the check, emptied the account, all to come after you, and you say no thank you? That's on you. That's not on him. And I got the question this week. What about all the people in Africa? There is so much concern for Africa. I said, you're telling me you think God is limited. If someone in Africa is searching after God, I said, forget Africa, dude. You don't even know what to do with you. And you're in America, not Africa. What are you going to do with him? Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.